I'm not 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos, Erev Rosh Chodesh. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Shalom Aleichem, Malachi Yashores, Malachi Elyoi, Miyimelech, Malachi Hamlochim, Akodosh Bovoruchu, Shalom Aleichem, Malachi Yashores,
Thank you. 
יהודים הבגוונים, פרנסים עם אביונים, אותו יום עמדו שווים בכיכר הומה ומסחרר. עם נפלא, עשיר תעודה, תמיד מחזיק מקל נדידה, ואתה נפשם צמאה, דורשים ומחפשים צדה. בצאתם למסע אל עולם אחר. הקרונות החלו נאות בפקודה שגרתית, טהורות שבקורבנות בצפיפות משפחתית. הלב היהודי פוצח, לקן שירתו שולט. רכבת מרעישה בשעות, קולותיהם נישאים בגאון, אבובר, אם כולם מכניסים בבטחה. אני מאמין באמונו של אגבו, ובבי עשה מושיקה, אני Oh, yo! Yeah. 
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Erev Rosh Chodesh. Welcome to a Friday, everybody. It's Erev Rosh Chodesh Tammuz and Erev Shabbos Parshas Korach with candle lighting time at 8.11 on this Erev Shabbos. 8.11 in New York area is candle lighting time. We'll bench Rosh, we bench Rosh Chodesh. We benched Rosh Chodesh last Shabbos. Rosh Chodesh begins tonight. It's a two-day Rosh Chodesh, Shabbos and Sunday. Again, it's a two-day Rosh Chodesh. Shabbos and, there we go, Sunday. 76 degrees outside, scattered thunderstorms, a high of 84. More of that for tonight with a low 74 and tomorrow morning thunderstorms and a high temperature of 88 degrees. Yerushalayim right now at 79. We're at 76 in New York here at JM in the AM. Itcha Ani done by Avramo. Yosef Chaim had Ani Mamin. Before that, the Ani Mamin from Shalshelis Jr., Shlomo Kalbach, Zehayom, words from Hallel. Hodu Hashem, Yehuda, with his words from Hallel. Actually, not his words, but you know what I mean. Shalom Aleichem, Avremo and Micha Gamerman, Regesh, with Modaani opening things up. And we say good morning. JM in the AM, thanks so much for listening in, being part of this great radio experience. Lots going on today, to say the least. At 7.40, it's our weekly update. Rabbi Yudin, of course, at 8.15. 8.35, Aaron Leibowitz will join us from Nefesh Benefesh. Naomi Nachman has an amazing table for two program today. It'll be part one of her visit to the brand new Kosher Culinary Center in Brooklyn with Chef Avram Weissman and company. That's all happening today between 9 and 10. The Kedem Erev Shabbos music mix, the Kedem Erev Shabbos live lunch with Mark Zamek, all happening Saturday night, Siegel tomorrow night with Avrami, JM Sunday with Matis starting at 7 a.m., Sunday morning, that program has been done live for, I don't know, two, three hundred weeks in a row. Matis is amazing. He'll be with everybody Sunday morning starting at 7 a.m. for the final JM Sunday for the month of June. So there's a lot happening, a lot going on, to say the least. And I thank you very much for tuning in. By the way, a special Mazda going out to the Sprecher and Garfinkel families. Was a, a wonderful celebration last night in Brooklyn, New York, where Haley Garfinkel and Jakob Sprecher... Mazel tov to um, Fagy and Mendel and the entire family from all of us here at JM and the AM. When you go into the Kitchen Click, when you go into the Kitchen Click in Brooklyn, New York, at any point in the next few days, make sure to wish a very special Mazel tov to the Sprecher family. Let them know it's from us as well here at JM and the AM. It was really a beautiful, beautiful wedding. And um, we wish them a very... Special Mazel Tov. Hey, I believe Bike NCSY is this coming uh, Sunday, right? I believe so. So to all the participants, everybody who's uh, getting ready to cycle (laughs) on behalf of uh, a great organization, on behalf of NCSY, uh, kudos to you. Get ready for a very busy weekend, no doubt. Oh, and speaking of busy weekends, I take this opportunity way in advance, way before Sunday, to say Mazal Tov to the Lefkowitz and Novoseller families. Um, Fega, Dina Lefkowitz, Yehuda Novoseller, they're getting married this coming Sunday. Special, special Mazal Tov to Mr. and Mrs. Shimon Lefkowitz. Uh, Those of you who are regular listeners know what the Lefkowitz family means to us at JMDAM and the Nahum Siegel Network, so... Extra special Mazda to the Lefkowitz and Novoseller families from all of us here at JM and the AM. The wedding is um, is um, this coming Sunday. And again, we look forward to celebrating 
and being part of a uh, unique and wonderful celebration, as their smachot always are. 19 minutes before 7 o'clock, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM. <clears throat> Again, as we've been saying, uh, all the typical, wonderful things that you would expect on a Friday morning from us here at JM in the AM. Uh, we have for you today, including the um, weekly update with Malcolm Honline, Rabbi Yudin with the Torah portion, Parshas Korach. We've got the um, conversation with Aaron Leibowitz from Nefesh Benefesh coming up. We really have uh, everything you would expect on a Friday all happening here at JM in the AM. From the Kol HaKochavim album, uh, the selection done by Ohad. This is JM in the AM. Hashem, 
Oh, oh, oh. 
J.M. and the A.M. by request, I'm proud to say. On our app, a request for the Ari Goldwag curry bone. Mimkomcha, also a request. Simcha Liner doing the Kalbach Mimkomcha live in Odessa. Kesser was done by Ohad Avremo Haditcha Ani Yosef Chaim with Ani Mamen. It's a Friday. It's Erev Shabbos. It's Erev Rosh Chodesh. Candle lighting at 8.11. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Galit Sal in the background. Our news from Israel is coming up in a moment. 7.40 Eastern Time, 40 minutes from now. It's the weekly update. Malcolm Honline will answer my questions, and I think you'll find the topics very interesting. They all have to do with what's been going on in Israel and the Jewish world over the last week. We call it the weekly update, 7.40 Eastern Time, coming up right here uh, on however you are listening to the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, 8.15 for Rabbi Yudin on Parshas Korach, and on this Erev Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. Uh, Aaron Liebowitz scheduled to join us in the 8 o'clock hour. Nefesh Benefesh, they've got a cause match campaign going on. We'll explain what's happening with NBN alumni and that whole effort. I remind you that uh, Naomi Nachman has Table for Two coming up, part one of her visit to the brand-new Kosher Culinary Center in Brooklyn with owner Chef Avram Wiseman plus Elon Kornblum of Great Kosher Restaurants magazine. That's happening between 9 and 10. Kedem presents our Erev Shabbos, Shabbos music mix and the 1 p.m. Erev Shabbos live lunch with Mark Zamek all through the day. It's going to be an amazing Erev Shabbos uh, music mix. Make sure to be tuned in all the way until candle lighting time. Tomorrow night, Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami. He features Rabbi Zwickler as part of his presentation. And the Sunday, it's JM Sunday. Matis is amazing. 7 a.m. Eastern Time, Sunday morning. He speaks with all of us. We call it JM Sunday. Galetzal, Israel Army Radio. 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JMM. 
גלי צהל, שעה שתיים, כאן שיר הדס מאיר עם מה שקורה עכשיו. גורמים פלסטיניים מדווחים כי פגישת אבו מאזן ויועץ הנשיא טראמפ ג'ארד קושנר אתמול הייתה לא מוצלחת ומתוחה. כתבנו ג'קי חוגי. גורמים הבקיאים בתוכן השיחות מהצד הפלסטיני אמרו כי המשלחת האמריקנית פעלה בשליחות ישראל ודרשה להפחית מרמת ההסתה הפלסטינית ולחדול מהתמיכה במשפחות האסירים. הפלסטינים ביקשו הקפאת בנייה בהתנחלויות והשיחות עלו לטונים גבוהים. השרפה במגדל המגורים בלונדון. המשטרה הודיעה כי מקור הדלקה הוא קצר חשמלי וכי היא שוקלת הגשת כתב אישום נגד בעלי הבניין בגין הריגה. כתבנו נתן אלדרשן. משטרת לונדון הודיעה כי על פי הממצאים שבידיה החיפוי והבידוד בבניין לא עמדו בתנאי הבטיחות הנדרשים ועל כן נשקל אישום הריגה נגד האחראים. עוד הוסיפו במשטרת לונדון כי הסיבה לפרוץ השרפה היא קצר חשמלי באחד מהמקררים בבניין. מספר ההרוגים בשרפה עומד לפי שעה ועל פי הודעת המשטרה קיים חשש שיתגלו הרוגים נוספים. בפרקליטות מבהירים כי ההמלצה לחקור את עובר שוברים שתיקה בגין תקיפת פלסטיני התקבלה בשל פניית הפרקליט הצבאי הראשי. הנחיית הפרקליטות הגיעה בעקבות סרטון שבו סיפר הדובר דיני סחרוף שהיכה באלימות קשה פלסטיני ללא כל הצדקה מבצעית. ממשרד המשפטים נמסר כי לאחר גיבוש העמדה הגיעו פניות נוספות בנושא אל היועץ המשפטי לממשלה, בין היתר של שרת המשפטים שקד. באיראן נערכות היום הפגנות יום ירושלים, אל-קודס, ואלפי מוחים קראו מוות לישראל. כתבתנו שירה נאות. אלפי איראנים, בהם גם הנשיא חסן רוחני, התקבצו בעצרת תפילת יום השישי שנערכה באוניברסיטת טהרן, לרגל יום אל-קודס, ירושלים, שבו מציינת הרפובליקה את התנגדותה לקיום מדינת ישראל. על פי דיווחים מהמקום, המפגינים שרפו דגלי ישראל וכן תמונות של מנהיגים ישראלים. בכל רחבי הרפובליקה צפויות להתקיים היום הפגנות נוספות, התביעה בספרד הסכימה להסדר טיעון עם כוכב ברצלונה ליאו מסי בפרשת העלמת המס, במסגרתו עונש המאסר יומר בקנס כספי. כתבנו ניר שוויד. לפי תנאי הסדר הטיעון, הכדורגלן הארגנטיני ישלם קנס של כרבע מיליון יורו, ובתמורה תוותר התביעה על 21 חודשי המאסר שגזר עליו בית המשפט. מסי הורשע לפני כשנה בשלושה אישומים של העלמת מס בהיקף של יותר מ-4 מיליון יורו בין השנים 2007 ו-2009. בנוסף לעונש המאסר, גזר עליו בית המשפט קנס של כ-2 מיליון יורו. תחזית מזג האוויר היום ללא שינוי ניכר. מחר תחול עלייה במידות החום, בעיקר בהרים ובפנים הארץ. אלה החדשות שעורכת קרן בן מרדכי, ביצוע טכני רומי קפלן.
Jerusalem 
J.M. in the A.M. with Yehuda Green. That is Samim Komcha, huh? <laughs> you can play version after version of that selection. Just amazing. Uh, Sherwood Goffin's Mim Como. You heard Mordechai and David and Ma'ashiv in honor of Rosh Chodesh. Those are words from Hallel. Rosh Chodesh begins tonight, of course. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Erev Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz is tonight. Um, we'll light candles at 8.11. Rosh Chodesh is Shabbos and Sunday, a two-day Rosh Chodesh. Shabbos and Sunday. And I thank everybody for tuning in and being part of this amazing listening experience. Want to again wish a mazel tov to the Garfinkel and Sprecher families. An amazing simcha last night in Brooklyn, New York. Mazel tov to Racheli Garfinkel and Yaakov Sprecher. And of course, our wonderful friends, uh, Fagy and Mendel Sprecher. Anybody who walks into the Kitchen Click in Brooklyn, New York. Over the next few days, you make sure to wish a very special Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. This coming Sunday, the Lefkowitz and Novoseller families will be celebrating. You know what the Lefkowitz family means to us here at the Nahum Siegel Network. We're getting ready for the big celebration. 
Fega Adina Lefkowitz and Yehuda Novoseller. This coming Sunday, we say Mazal Tov to Mr. and Mrs. Shimon Lefkowitz and the entire Lefkowitz Novoseller Mishpacha from all of us here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, candle lighting at 8 11, 76 degrees, scattered thunderstorms. Looks like some wet weather over Shabbos is very possible. Weekly update coming up. Malcolm Honeline is going to join us. We'll do our weekly update here at JMNAM at 7.40 Eastern Time. By the way, want to thank everybody for the comments on the app. Uh, by the way, um, JM from Teaneck on our app, I believe the Yankee losing streak is not eight games. I think they won a game this week, if I'm not mistaken, if we're going to be technical here. I know they've had a rough stretch, but if we're going to get technical, anybody who looks at the uh, comments on the app, you could join in the conversation if you wish. I can tell you that much. <laughs> um, and we got to some of those requests. The Mimkumcha requests, we got to we got to the Mordechai and David Ma'ashiv. And, of course, you could utilize the NSN, Nachum Single Network app, for requests to let us know where you are, what you want to hear, etc., etc., etc. More coming up at JMAM. A reminder, those of you who did not have an opportunity last month to support us during our amazing fundraiser. We had a uh, our annual fundraiser for JM and the AM. And um, the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting is how one goes ahead to support us. If you did not have an opportunity to support us last month, it is not too late. And I'm sure you're glad to hear that. FJBUnity.org. FJBUnity.org. We call it that because FJB funds and helps fund our activities here at the Nachum Siegel Network and JM and the AM. And then Unity, of course, because it funds our Jewish Unity Initiative, which has been so successful over the last couple of years. So fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Give early and give often, and we thank you very, very much. 20 minutes after the hour, more coming up. This is JM in the AM. Minucha v'simchar la Yehudim Yom Shabbason Yom Achmadim Shom Rav v'zachrav hema meidim Ki l'shisha kobruim v'omdim Shem meishamayim Eretz v'yamim Kol tzivamarom givoim miramim Tahanim v'yadam v'chayas re'emim Ki v'ka Hashem tzoray l'amim Hu asher diber li'am sekulaso Shomor l'kacho mibo v'yatsay so Shabos kodesh yom chemdaso Shem 
Hashem Rai'i Lo'yach Zohar Yeah. 
Sham in the AM. Pretty good, huh? Oh, yes. Yaakov Shweki with uh, Kamu Vaneha. Ivdu done by Mordechai Shapiro. You heard Eitan Katz in there with Ms. Marla David. Misha Ma'amin, that was Benny Friedman, Menucha Vesimcha from the NCSY Bencher app. Could you imagine? That's where it came from. And Yehuda Green with Mimkomcha. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Erev Rosh Chodesh, candle lighting at 8.11 on this Erev Shabbos. Parshas Korach, Shabbos and Sunday, your Rosh Chodesh days. Shabbos and Sunday for Rosh Chodesh. Malcolm Honline coming up next with a weekly update. Plenty more on a Friday, as you would suspect. Mazal Tov going out to the Garfinkel and Sprecher families. Amazing celebration last night. Anybody who walks into the kitchen click uh, in Brooklyn, New York, make sure to wish the Sprecher family a very special Mazal Tov from all of us here at uh, JM in the AM. And again, a Mazel Tov on the Sunday's wedding. The Lefkowitz and Novoseller families are getting set to celebrate, as are we. Uh, Fega, Adina, Lefkowitz, Yehuda Novoseller, a special Mazel Tov to the Lefkowitz and Novoseller families from all of us here at JM in the AM. Weekly update is next. Keep it here at JM in the AM. Pachad meshatek otcha kimat Mi bifnim Ve'en milim Rak le'ashpil et ha'mabat Atamim Im derech l'avor ve'en l'atzor B'chom ha'shehaya l'olam l'ayachzor B'sof kol ha'drachim nishkaf l'ahor Az al tishkach Tamid tizkor Kol From an album entitled One Heart, Aguda Achat. 
There's a reason why I'm playing that uh, that album right before our weekly update. Aguda Achat, One Heart. Friday morning on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Korach. It's Erev Rosh Chodesh Tammuz, Rosh Chodesh is Shabbos. And Sunday, candle lighting at 8-11 in the New York area. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good to be with you. I appreciate and, uh, that. And despite the sad news this morning of the passing of a very good friend of ours and of the community, but personally also of Gabe Pressman, the probably the, the dean of, of New York journalists. Now, to those outside of the New York, New Jersey area, how would you describe how important he was vis-a-vis Israel? He was very important. Not only was he the one guy who would stand up no matter what the others were saying or thinking and defended Israel, spoke about Israel, spoke the truth about Israel, and would take off on a few hours' notice to go to Israel to cover a critical story if a war was, uh, God forbid, uh, any situation for decades. I mean, this man worked until recent years, and his incisive commentary had a huge following, a very loyal following, and um, his passing is really a, it's a sad note. He, he lived a full life, but, he, um, but it still uh, reminds us of... We don't have a gay pressman around today that I can think of. Marsha Kramer, a few others who are New York area reporters who have really who stand up on the issues, but not many. And not the way he did. Gabe Pressman passed away at the age of ninety-three. I started. You know, it's funny. After last week's uh, update, you had mentioned at uh, some point during the latter part of the discussion uh, that there were certain archaeological digs and discoveries that you would love to uh, relate to us. And I wanted to give you that opportunity to start off today, but then. And this is the reason why I insisted on beginning our segment with a uh, from an album entitled "One Heart." I- I'm I'm losing patience with the news reports from certain areas of soldiers being taunted and harassed, and in some cases, I would guess beaten uh, by mobs, um, where police have to be called in. Where then the police, of course, are also uh, attacked, certainly verbally, maybe physically as well. I don't know. Uh, and I just, you know, if we could, sp- if I knew that it would help the situation, speaking about it for the next forty minutes, I would do that. I don't know if it'll help at all, but it's getting out of hand. It, the situation is intolerable. It cannot continue. And again, the community has one lever, and that is the the pocketbook. Uh, whether it's in Israel or here, you know, you can criticize. You can have sharp differences. With uh, the government of Israel, or with our own government, with anybody, anything in authority, and you have a right to make your voice heard and to to address it, but not to do to people going to shul in Yerushalayim, three soldiers going to shul, and then they're set upon. This is it's it's intolerable, and it, it will only feed the divide, and uh, and then they will complain if they are you know if certain uh, people are are treated. Uh, with disdain or with... Um, yeah, or if, if appropriate measures are taken. Or or they are properly prosecuted. Right. I think sometimes, we've had these discussions a million times before during this segment, I think sometimes of what some of our ancestors, predecessors, parents and grandparents of the past would say if they viewed a situation like this in the context of what they went through 
in in their areas of the world being Jewish and being supporters of quote unquote the land of Israel. It is it, when you think about it in that context, it makes it even more bizarre. It's beyond bizarre. I think that that uh, that lets people off the hook too easily, just to describe this as uh, bizarre behavior. And I, I don't know the answer to it, but I know that it's not acceptable and should not be tolerated by anybody. Sergeant Hadas Malka was stabbed to death near Shar Shechem in Yerushalayim last Friday night. Um, am I right or wrong? I may have confused this with another story. Is this the first? Did did ISIS in fact take responsibility? And if they did, would that be the first time they took responsibility for an attack on Israeli soil? Uh, I don't actually recall whether they've taken credit. I, I may before, be confusing it with another story. I don't remember. But uh, it's the, the, there's no proof yet that this was in fact. Uh, these could be. These are ISIS sympathizers. These are not hardcore. You know, necessarily hardcore ISIS members who carried it out, but ISIS has been operative in the West Bank and in, in uh, other areas uh, trying to infiltrate in uh, northern Israel. You know, I've reported on it here many times about you know, some of these developments that, that when the cells are uncovered. And again, it, it, it doesn't get coverage here when uh, Israel is able to prevent, as they did some 2,000 attacks. You know, one of the key leaders um, who's been involved in promoting the idea of negotiations uh, said to me, well, we have to give him credit. There have been no terrorist attacks and, and in months. I said, but w- what are you talking about? There are terrorist attacks every day. They just are prevented that Israel, you know, is able to either catch them in the act or prevent the act from taking place. And and he said, well, I don't, you know, I know that Abbas has been working. So I said to him, he bet me a quarter in the end, and I produced a 15-page report of the incident since January 1st. And again, you know, because, thank God, most are not successful here. You had a case where, or I don't know how you define success, but they right. weren't able to be completed. Here you had one that, that unfortunately took the life of this uh, wonderful young woman, and, uh, you know, so it gets more notoriety. But it isn't because they don't try, and ISIS has, and it's continuing to, to, to try to infiltrate, but you have bigger dangers now with the with ICE, with the IRGC Hezbollah, the the Shiite militias, uh, the Iran Revolutionary Guard that is, and the Shiite militias and others coming uh, uh, approaching Israel's border, and uh, this is why the road that I talked about, the Shiite Crescent, why Jordan and Israel are actually being brought much closer together, Israel providing intelligence and security uh, assistance, but the common recognition of, of the threat posed by Iran's hegemony, uh, it's a much bigger threat, I think, than ISIS is. ISIS is not going to go away. They, they're in uh, Sinai. They're in other places. They'll regroup. Most of the biggest danger is that these guys are coming home as they lose territory uh, and can pose dangers wherever uh, wherever their passports allow them to go, so the, the this is um, uh, the, the the situation there. It's and it's an escalating situation because you have so many multiple opportunities. You have the Russia U.S. You have the U.S. Iran. You have Turkey Iran. You have now the Gulf with Saudi Arabia versus Iran and Turkey versus Saudi Arabia. There are so many flashpoints, any one of which could could explode. We saw in Saudi Arabia, right. you know, a silent coup this week where the crown prince was removed and the deputy crown prince 
MBS, uh, Mohammed uh, bin Salman, replaced him. And that may be good and may be better for the West. It may be better even in terms of Israel. The reports that the, crown, the new crown prince actually had contact with Israelis. Um, but there is, it's such a dynamic situation right now. and It's so much in flux that anything can lead to, to a uh, an explosion. There were three, quote, fishermen, Iranians, that were picked up by Saudi Arabia, uh, who said that they were on a boat that was loaded with uh, explosives and that they were, in fact, IRGC people. Uh, Iran is demanding their return, and, and uh, no matter what, almost every day this week they've been blaming Israel for all the problems they said of Western Asia. Not just any local problems involving Israel, but everything. And the the speeches that we've seen from the IRGC commanders um, uh, talk about the global Islamic uh, aspirations of Iran. Mm. I want to go back to the uh, uh, Mohammed bin Salman story in a second, um, but but first, just to, to to wrap up the the discussion about the uh, the murder of uh, the sergeant last Friday. Um, BBC had a headline: Three Palestinians killed after deadly stabbing in Jerusalem. You and and many others felt it was a misleading headline and a. Uh, and an accurate one, frankly, the way it was portrayed. Maybe inaccurate is the wrong word, but certainly the portrayal was wrong. Um, and and I believe, based on what you've said many, many times here, you don't consider it a victory when they correct it or when they uh, you know when they follow up with some type of comment because you don't feel, frankly, that out of context, most people even you know are following that. The real victory is if we can get them to stop it next time. So this happened with the BBC. What was the reaction? Someone like yourself. Uh, who'd you contact, and uh, and how did you make make it known uh, your opinion about their headline? Well, we did contact them, and the and many others uh, obviously wrote to them, uh, and and it's such a blatant violation. I mean, there's no way they could justify it. Although in the past, they, the New York Times, others just ignored. I mean, the New York Times headlines are not much better usually in in this regard, and the. Um, you know, the rare occasion when they actually apologize or, or admit that they made a mistake is one that we have to at least highlight so people see that they can be efficacious in, in bringing this to their attention. Whether they'll learn a lesson for next time uh, is, a, is a really good question, and we have never seen any evidence that that is the case. It is so deliberate, and uh, one has to believe, by virtue of the blatant nature of the of the um, of the distortion in the report, and the the, the uh, you know there used to be an ombudsman at the time. I think that they the public editor, whatever they called him, and I think I heard that they fired him. So you're not even going to get that uh, that venue for uh, demanding corrections. But the voice has to be heard. People have to raise their voices, and it does matter. There's too much competition today for the media, that for advertisers and others, they have so many choices that when they get flack about being in one media or the other, they they will they will switch or they will let them know that they are under a lot of pressure and right. are unhappy with uh, with what they're doing, regardless of whether they agree with us or not. They just don't want to be bothered. Most uh, advertisers with having the complaints and and uh, right. it's an annoyance and i and i emphasize this um and spend time on it because it's one of the things that everybody listening can be involved with not every time can everyone get involved in you know negotiations with leadership in arab countries but they can get involved when it comes to media sources that are portraying something completely improperly 
Uh, so hopefully people will learn this lesson and and jump in um, to the discussion uh, when this happens again. In, in terms of uh, Ben Salman, so uh, the New York Times paints the picture that President Trump is probably thrilled with the fact that this change has happened in Saudi Arabia, even more so, they write, than Karen Handel's <laughs> Republican win down in Georgia. I, I, is this true? Is Washington thrilled with this change? Well, I think that they view it positively uh, because the uh, you know the, after the, the president's visit there, um, she, he, he established pretty good ties with them and with the, with the king and with uh, with the son. I think that the, they may have had a premonition about this happening because this is something that's been muted for a long time, but people really didn't believe that uh, we were going to see it quite so soon. Um, and it's the anticipated reaction, which yet could occur with the removal of uh, Mohammed ben Naif and by both those at the generation of the king and the next generation of ben Naif, uh, who don't like MBS and don't like this move where you shake up the whole uh, succession series and, and order, but it looks like they prepared well and handled it well. That so far it's a, been a very muted reaction, and this young guy has been moving towards reforms, including about women, about other things. Uh, and so I think the president's happy. I'm not sure that he's happier about that than his win in Georgia. I think he's looking <laughs> yeah, at that but, with but of great course, joy and, and, yeah, and but relief. Of, but of course, the New York Times has to say that, you know. Yeah, of course. They have to I paint it that so way. naive to think that, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think he was up celebrating over <laughs> Solomon as he was. <laughs> I believe you are <laughs> correct. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN Epic. Thank you to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. You go to their site, you could print out a thousand articles before Shabbos about everything happening in Israel and the Jewish world. It's JewishWorldReview.com. Big thank you to our friends at OnlySimplest.com. We continue to utilize our content in a variety of ways as they continue to expand with plenty of great news in their news feed, aside from the great news of reporting smacho to the greater Jewish world, and we thank them. Uh, Israel has begun construction of an underground barrier to thwart attack tunnels from Gaza. And now, according to Jerusalem Post, the Islamic group, meaning Hamas, will have to decide whether to react or lose a strategic option. First of all, was this option available to Israel four or five years ago, an underground barrier? Yeah, but there are a lot of technical issues. It's also very expensive, but there are a lot of technical issues you have to overcome. Remember, you're digging many places in sand, in deep sand, right. and to and and you you have to go deep enough that they can't bypass you. But at the same time, uh, you want to have a system that gives you early warning and and other things built into it, so that uh, detectors and things. So it, it, I know they've been working on this for many years. There are still other options that are are being developed, you know, for to to detect um, the digging of tunnels when it's still on the other side. The barrier only stops it to the degree when it's on the, the it comes across the Israel border. Uh-huh. Uh, so there are still uh, there is still a lot of research, but this is essentially we know that they're building, we know they're digging, we saw the find underneath the UNESCO schools in Gaza, which has had repercussions all week, or weeks since it was discovered, uh, including a discussion at UNESCO and, and inherently reflecting the bias of UNESCO, that nobody was fired, nobody 
no heads rolled. The fact that they were digging underneath the schools is it could not have been a secret to, to everybody. Uh, and UNESCO, of course, is meeting and on in, in two weeks on July second, they're starting their meetings in Krakow, where they will take up the situation of Hebron right. and uh, want to declare it not only. Uh, uh, do the same thing they did to the Kotel and Kevaracha, Rachel Stum, and to the wall and to Harabayat and Temple Mount, declaring these all Muslim sites exclusively, which they want to do with Maratan Pela, with the Patriarch's Cave. But they they also, and this is the unique twist, they want to declare it part of the state of Palestine. I saw a great headline. I can't, I can't remember where I saw it, how uh, 2.2 billion people of faith are going to be upset with the UNESCO decision. Like they're trying to alter the, the point of the headline and the subsequent uh, comments. They're trying to obviously alter history completely. And um, and we, I mean, and, and they get away with it so often. I mean, it just, it just happens so often. But anyway, that the, that, was, that was what I saw. You know, they're, they're, they're changing the opinion of faith of, of 2 billion plus people um, with that. Um, with yes, because one should remember that this is as much an insult Christianity as it is Judaism. Right. It's a nice 2,000 years of Christian history as well. Right. Um, the United Nations... Um, oh, no, go to this first, because this is on the same topic. The, the, the peace talks, the negotiations, the envoys sent by President Trump this week referring to Jared Kushner and Jason Greenblatt. I said, go to Israel. Uh, it, it's obvious that this issue of martyr payments is an issue. Uh, the other side is not very happy with, uh, with with the fact that they're being told to stop these martyr payments. I don't know if they're going to make any progress on that. And um, so that's the first thing. And um, and the second thing is, you know, in general, people want to know, because this came to us as a little bit of a surprise. Uh, we didn't realize that this, you know, this uh, shuttle diplomacy was continuing so quickly after the president's visit. Uh, so, you know, people want to know, was it a success? Did Kushner and Greenblatt make progress this week? I wasn't in the talks, and they just arriving back today. And I guess we will learn more from what I've heard, though. That was not there was there wasn't uh, specific progress made. Uh, you know, they began the shuttle program the day after the president's uh, visit. Uh, they came back. Um, I, I, I hope that there is a, a plan behind it. I don't know. I don't see one emerging. But the uh, they certainly uh, did raise the issue of the continued payments to terrorism and we hear that there is some sort of subterfuge again in the works where they'll make it a you know turn it over to the social welfare agency right and so that's there'll be payments get, of that kind that's what gets me about it like they don't they know if they just you know couch it differently or hide it a certain way their public relations would be so much better well they did it once and already you know and it's been exposed and the, the, there is a reaction to it and you know, they, they refuse to condemn the killers of Hadass, of the, the the killing of Hadass. They they continue in the in the same way as as we have seen in the past with their uh, various declarations, and they have a lot of internal problems. For one, in Gaza, there was just a poll this week that showed that forty seven percent want want to live under uh, the control of uh, the PA, and only seventeen percent say they're Hamas supporters, and forty one percent said they're Fatah. And the majority said they supported a two-state solution, although we know that in most cases it's a pretty temporary one. But the 
but the fact that they want the PA to take over, the economic conditions there are, are worsening. And he, in his own uh, Abbas, in his own uh, setup, it, you know, he all along has always been able to play, you know, the elder guy coming right. in and saying, "Oh, I have no choice. I got to pay off these people." You know, it's the way we keep things quiet. And all of a sudden now. Uh, President Trump, when he was there, you know, bangs on the table and said, you lied to me. You told me you're not involved in this stuff. And now, even this week again, we saw that they were suppo- they promised under all the agreements to improve the school curricula, something, you know, we've discussed. The mm-hmm. Egyptians did it. Others have done it. And right. he, they not only refused, but the PA minister came out and support on that on that Friday of the attack, praised the, the martyrs and, and the... Uh, and and the uh, and have continued to name schools and continued to do uh, all the things that they and and in the PA educational curricula they praise the, the jihadis they talk about continuous war they talk about the uh, expendable martyrs this is what they're teaching the kids and and so the, then finally the, somebody is being held to some account uh, even some of the Europeans and others see how blatant this this violation is. And yet, in the end, he seems to get away with it. So but, I don't know but, where the where but, the peace talks are going. I think the lesson they will see is what everybody else learns, and that is you can't rush this. You got to do it uh, with patience and uh, learn from the history and um, and proceed. In, 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 but in one hand, it's important to show that there's still momentum and there's still you know prospects there, which is what often the neighbors uh, want to be able to see for their own populace. But on the other hand, you can't create expectations that are not realistic but yeah you just described i think essentially the 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 arab street is not majority for hamas right 17 percent. you'd call that the arab street vote right essentially in gaza, this is gaza. In gaza itself right uh, can't i suspect based on that that if we polled the same people the majority likely would not be pro-martyr payments or not necessarily is the arab street is, are they so desperate for it that if he that if he would stop it or make an announcement he stopped he would get so much backlash that's what he says, and and certainly from uh, the infrastructure, he cut off 44 of the Hamas guys about two weeks ago, and seems to have survived that. But um, uh, but he he in principle doesn't believe it. He, that that's a more fundamental problem. He, he claims that he'll have a lot of backlash and um, you know have uh, all sorts of problems. But but we know that when they actually do these things, then they may have a temporary problem, but it's, it's not lasting. And uh, they will find ways to to get money to the people they want to, uh, to the families and others to encourage this to continue it because obviously they are committed to this, uh, to, the, to the continuation of it and their failure to condemn, and their failure to take steps to stop it. The the, the payments, despite the loss of funds, despite you know the overwhelming votes in Congress uh, against this. And speaking of funds, did you see the uh, <coughs> excuse me, Major General Halevi's? statistics that Iran is funding Hezbollah at the tune of $75 million a year, $50 million to Hamas's budget, and about $70 million to Islamic Jihad. They've got deep pockets. Well, they have deep pockets because they've got a lot of money from the West and from us, and they're signing uh, deals all the time. How many of them actually come to fruition, we don't know. But remember, you know, the, the, the value was, uh, I don't know, $38 billion or $50 billion uh, of actual Money that they they received after the JCPOA deal that goes very far. Yep. Uh, I, I would not buy the fifty million to Hamas necessarily, uh, and Hamas was getting a lot of money from Qatar. And now that they have stopped, they're actually turning to Egypt for for assistance. 
uh, one of the big issues, of course, one of the main issues uh, that uh, demands are made on Qatar by the Arabs is that they stop funding uh, Hamas and some of the Hamas leaders, as you know, were, were living in Doha, in Qatar, uh, all of these years. Right. Um, the UN, and, we met, and you mentioned the United Nations earlier, uh, uh, Mr. Guterres, if that's how you pronounce it, the new Secretary General. Guterres. Guterres, thank you. His mild language in a passage of a certain report concerning tests in Iran, meaning military missile tests, could complicate any American-led effort to further penalize Iran for them at the UN. Now, uh, how soft was his language, and could it really affect how the U.S. responds to Iranian activities? It will not affect how the U.S. responds. What they were talking about is that the U.S. acting through the U.N. to try to secure you know, additional sanctions, uh, defining, and, and uh, Nikki Haley, the ambassador, is trying to get Hamas defined as a terrorist organization at the U.N., and has been pushing that agenda. And when the Secretary General has come out strongly against the bias against Israel and some other things, but gave a, a bad speech in regard to the 50th, anniversary quote of the occupation right. uh, and uh, sometimes on on these issues uh, is very weak I think after the firing of the rockets into Syria by the way which was a failure because of the seven rockets they fired only one hit the base that was intended one hit a couple hundred yards away but three of them landed in Iraq they didn't make it across so it tells you that the guidance systems etc are not that highly developed yet uh, but the the fact that they would shoot and they could felt they could do it with impunity, that it was a message to the U.S. You know that they could hit CENTCOM or headquarters in Qatar or to the Arabs, especially the Saudi-led coalition, and to um, and, and as well a message to to Syria and they're claiming it was retaliation against ISIS for the bombing in Tehran. But I think that the agenda is really a broader one, and if you look at their statements now. I mean, literally every day a leader is blaming Israel for all of the problems, trying to divert all the attention there. But they are moving ahead, and they are continuing to eat up parts of, of Syria. And what's important is the area they fight to, the ISIS area, is critical to them because that could interfere or block falling into U.S. or Western hands. Um, their goal of building the highway from Iran through Iraq, Syria, Beirut, Lebanon, and and to the Mediterranean. Uh, so this is a very critical area, and if the U.S. succeeds in taking it over, or U.S.-backed militia, then that would be a, an additional problem for for the Iranians. Wow. Uh, do we call the uh, Michigan attack this week in the airport the stabbing a terrorist attack? It's certainly investigated as a terrorist attack, and I think people should uh, you know be reminded again and again that these attacks are taking place. We, we too often dismiss them, and um, we've got to comb for what they are. If a guy yells Al-Akbar and yeah. uh, pulls out a knife, it's certainly terroristic, if not terror. And I and just clear up for me why that story ends up in the you know in in the back pages of of prominent national newspapers. Well, it did get some. It did get attention. It's certainly the electronic media. Did report it, I think, fairly uh, uh, strongly. Um, but again, at first, you know, everybody raced out, and, and police are very reluctant to declare things terrorist. You know, it's it's not good for tourism. It's not good for for police forces. And uh, but 
you got to call it for what it is. And, and if we're reluctant to name it, you can't fight it. And you got to name who's responsible for it. And that's one of the things, in fact, Nikki Haley said about Hamas, that you have to name them and you have to expose uh, them to to be able to fight them in the right way. By the way, there was one on the UN, I meant to say that there was one positive development, yeah. something rare, that at the Human Rights Council, uh, the Western democracies boycotted the annual session, you know, on on Israel, on the situation of the pa- human rights situation in the Palestinian areas because it's such a one-sided slam. So that the U.S., Canada, Japan, the European Union, they all boycotted uh, this session. And uh, I think it's uh, because it singles out one state for discriminatory treatment, etc., uh, that was a, a positive thing that we hadn't seen before, and I think in part it's because of the tone the U.S. set, um, uh, and maybe others are finally learning the lesson. Uh, today's the final. Tomorrow, I believe Ramadan ends. Today's the final Friday. Have you heard? Rosh Chodesh. Any- it ends. It's why it ends now. Yeah, final day of Sivan is tomorrow. Have you um, heard anything about uh, activities in Jerusalem today, or everything's been quiet based on what you know? From what I heard, it's quiet, but we always have to, you know, there's always an escalation immediately after uh, Ramadan and actually during Ramadan. Uh, and so hopefully this will be you know, prepared and things will be uh, will be quiet. What do you think of the whole issue of providing power to Gaza, water, etc., you know, while tunnels continue to, uh, to be dug? Should one issue relate to the other or not? Of course, we have to use whatever means to protect human life. Uh, nobody wants to see them punished. Nobody wants to see people deprived. By the way, it's the PA that demanded that they cut off the electricity, both Egypt and Israel. And there's been some restoration, but the, this is not a decision by Israel uh, to to do this. This is uh, and and they refuse to pay the bills. So you don't pay the bill, you don't get the service. Now, uh, again, uh, uh, there's always a humanitarian aspect to it. But we have to remember, they, they made choices, too. They elected Hamas. They, they are pursuing this. And the poll I read to you, cited before, I cited it because exactly because of that reason, to show that there's this unrest and dissatisfaction that could be taken advantage of if properly handled. No question about that. Uh, what do you think of this effort by Naftali Bennett to uh, have a law passed in the Knesset that you need 80 out of 120 votes to even consider any type of action in Jerusalem? In a peace process. Yeah, this this has been tried many times before. and might be able to pass now. I mean, the atmosphere is very charged, and people, I think, uh, there's been a great education program in Israel where I know in the Army, I think it was more than 50% of the soldiers had never visited Jerusalem, wow. and now there are all sorts of programs that bring young people and certainly soldiers uh, to Jerusalem that they learn their own history, their own, and, and feel the connection. So I think there's growing... Uh, a greater attachment and growing appreciation, and I think Mayor Barkat has done a great job also in trying to expand and build up uh, Jerusalem and the infrastructure in Jerusalem that people today, um, I, I don't think there's any government that would talk about dividing Jerusalem. By the way, you know, summer camps, many of them begin this coming week. I, I will give them, the, I will give those that spend very often evenings, days, um, you know, dedicated to Israel. There are a lot of camps out there, Malcolm, I'm sure you're aware of this, that really include Israel in a lot of their summer programming. And it's a perfect time, and the, the, the problem is that I'm not sure that the counselors are capable of really talking about and, and teaching about Israel, but the 
but there should be we did uh, produce uh, magazines for for uh, like the dailyalert.org but it was weekly for camps and unfortunately we could not get the funding to continue it but the camps were using it and the kids in the summer atmosphere are much more receptive and you can do it an hour a week even and over the course of eight weeks you can give them the background to teach them the stuff that they don't learn during the year unfortunately in most schools and and prepare them for the challenges in the real world that they that they will face uh, with all the lies and distortions in the media and it's, it is not diminishing either so we, and as the media expands, we have less control and less ability to respond. And by the way, while we're talking about the end of the school year, I just want to give a shout-out to Ephraim Stein and to, to Miriam Holmline, Ephraim Holmline, all of whom graduated, and Gabriella Bach, I think I mentioned. So we have, a, Baruch Hashem, a lot of graduations, and they should all go on to greater heights. Oh, you've been on the graduation circuit recently, to say the least. To say the least. I mean, my gosh. <laughs> Every- the least. I, you'll let me know which school has the best collation afterwards. I'm curious. Uh, I don't think they're competing, not by what I saw. <laughs> All right, finally, uh, I alluded to this earlier, and you said it last week. Is there anything specific in the area of archaeological finds or Israel's past as it relates to our future you wanted to share with us? You were just making a general statement. No, not a general statement at all, but uh, I mean, it really takes some time to... to uh, to, to discuss because there some of them are, are very serious finds. One of them is a Crusader escape tunnel in the Kinneret that wow. was uh, found in Tiberia, and the this was uh, from the time of the Crusaders uh, that was built inside a citadel 800 years ago to provide safe passage from the fortress to the Sea of Galilee because when the Sultan and when the Ottomans came and uh, I mean this is all very critical but it's in the heart of the old city of Tiberia people will be able to see now an archaeological excavation that the Israel authorities has done it's a 21 foot long section of this of the old uh, tunnel but many things that were were found they also found stuff that fits exactly to Josephus' description of the first stage of the war in Yerushalayim. They found the ballistas, the uh, things that they used on catapults to, to shoot at, uh, at Israel. They found a whole uh, array of them exactly where the description was of where the fight for Yerushalayim took place. But I'll talk about that because that takes more time. But one of the other things is that uh, a group of Hungarian archaeologists unearthed a fortress from Herod, including a mikveh, again exactly consistent with uh, what we what we know, um, and 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 the uh, and, you know it has to have the equivalent what of eighty three gallons, eighty five gallons. So this one is fifty four feet deep, and watered uh, uh, the cistern, an underground cistern that watered the the fortress. But this is across in the on the eastern shore of the Dead Sea. So this was part of the series of places that uh, uh, King Herod uh, uh, built. And it's, it's, of course, it's very similar to the, to the mikvahs that were found near the Dead Sea. And it is, uh, uh, I can go through all the statistics, but it's, it's uh, really, the, the consistency is just uh, uh, remarkable. It is and, unbelievable. Wow. And, and, and the, the point is, the Menachem, is that they're finding these things so many of them. I have at least a half a dozen of these amazing uh, discoveries uh, of stuff that, that, you know, finding the inscriptions, you know, the, the shards, pottery shards, 
that were found usually have writing, like sort of bluish writing on the front. And they've deciphered them, but the backs were always considered blank, and I, I have one that I'm looking at right now. And they found out by chance, one of them put it through a spectrograph, I think it's called, or a spectroscope, and all of a sudden they could see that there was writing on the back. They, they didn't know about from 2,000 years ago. So they're bringing back all of the shards to go and examine the back. <sighs> and then on the front they found additional sentence, but with great detail about life and about things. Much of this came from, some of these came from an army fortress um, in, the, in the south, and the, the, um, there were 20 or 30 soldiers stationed there, and it was in a direct line of sight to Jerusalem, so it was an early warning system to Jerusalem. And they're finding all these things, and it's amazing, because just think of all the stuff that will be uncovered from all the shards that have been found that they now know that they can, and hopefully will be in many cases, where they'll be able to read additional, uh, get additional insight into life then. It, to me, it's just all so exciting because all of it just proves the Tanakh, it proves our claim, it, it, it refutes UNESCO to the core. No question about it. Uh, not not to end on a negative note, but uh, maybe we should, we should unfurl some Kolakavod Latzahal banners in certain areas of, uh, of Israel. You think that's a good idea? I wouldn't mind if you did it in some areas in New York also. Yeah, I think that the, 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 the Tanakh that, that has to come and, just and is not coming uh, for our kids to, to associate, to understand that they're fighting every day for our lives, our lives, let alone those in Israel. It's so blatantly obvious. And, um, yes, it's very upsetting. I know you're upset about it uh, as well. Anybody out there who wants to join me in arranging a Kolakavod Latzal campaign? Actually, Malcolm's right. I don't even think of that. I keep thinking it's so much more important in Israel, but you're right. It should be worldwide. Why not? Uh, anywhere we live in comfort, luxury, um, it, it's all because of the Israeli And when army. you visit Israel, stop a soldier and just thank him. Yeah, especially if you're wearing a kippah. Let him know that, uh, that there are plenty of people in our community who are appreciative. All right, Malcolm, thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos and Rosh Chodesh, and we'll speak Bezrat Hashem next week. There he is, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We call this the weekly update, Fridays only on JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday, every era of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, Spiritual Leader of Congregation Shomer Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good morning, Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Korach. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Korach contains nine mitzvos, five positive, and four restrictions. Parshas Korach is one of those difficult parshios that each year just doesn't get easier. The question is, how could it happen? And as Rashi himself asks, Par Korach, who is a Pikeach, and, um, which means he was a very wise man, and he was an usher, he was a wealthy man, so, uh, and he was one of the Nos-e-Oron. He carried the Oron, which is the Ark, when they transported the sanctuary, the Mishkan. He was one of those privileged. And he saw, as our rabbis say, that what appeared to be he was doing the carrying. But indeed, the ark carried him amazing, yet he rebels against Moshe. So our rabbis tell us that Moshe was able to, quote-unquote, read through him and recognize, as indeed our rabbis point out, that it was his own greed 
that um, Korach was after, namely, he was upset, felt slighted, overlooked, that the Nesius, the head of the family of Kahas, was given to a younger cousin than he, and as a result, he challenged the um, uh, station, the position of Moshe Rabbeinu, and after all, when does he do it? He does it now, right after last week's Parsha, namely, that the um, position and the high regard that Moshe Rabbeinu had amongst the Jewish people, right now, unfortunately, that they were um, given the punishment of 39 years of wandering in the desert, Moshe's popularity waned, and therefore there was the opportunity for him to jump in. So we know what he wanted. The question is, how did he entice many others to join him? So I'd like you to be aware of a very strong thesis which is set forth by the Ramban in this week's parsha, alluded to strongly by the Ibn Ezra in this week's parsha, and that is as follows. Korach could not offer the people in the desert to give them Carvel with the best hashkacha. No. It wasn't ice cream that he can give them. They had all their physical needs taken care of in the desert. What could Korach offer them? Only one thing. More and greater spirituality. More and greater ruchnius. Allow me to explain. We know, starting from the very beginning of the Torah, namely, go back to Parshas Toldos. It's the day when Avraham Avinu dies and Yitzchak, his son, is now the mourner. So Yaakov makes for his father a lentil soup. Why lentil? Because it's round, reminding us of the continuity of life. And so we do today. Lo'alinu, at such a time, we have a bagel, we have a hard-boiled egg. That's Minog Yisrael, to take something round. Listen carefully. Esav comes and says, give me some of the soup. So Yaakov says, okay, under one condition that you sell me your birthright. Now let's talk about this intelligently for a minute. These are twins. There are hours of difference between them. It's minutes between them. What's the difference? Who is five, six minutes older? But the answer is there's a very significant difference because built into nature at that time was that the firstborn were those who were the spiritual representatives of the family. They were the one who officiated at religious ceremonies. And Yaakov understood that his brother Esav, the man of the field, and the man who unfortunately is involved in immorality, is not the one to have this position. So what he was looking for was to give it to somebody like himself who was more qualified for it. Esav says, Hinei literally, 
any day I can die in the field or no, through these laws of kahuna, I will unfortunately be killed because as we have in this week's parsha, Zar HaKorev, you must. If someone is a non-Kohen, they're not to be doing this avoda, this very special service. And so, from the very beginning of that Torah, we see that the Bechor was to be the firstborn, was to be the one officiating and representing the family in a spiritual way. Now let's move on. And so it was to be until after the sin of the golden calf. After the sin of the golden calf, where the firstborn participated and the Shevet Levi did not, so the Torah tells us very, very clearly in Parshas, that there is a process and a ceremony whereby the um, position of spiritual leadership was taken away from the firstborn and given to the tribe of Levi. Comes Korach and says to the firstborn, to the tribe of Reuven, his neighbor, and to all of Klai Yisrael, I, as your leader, will give it back to you. After all, once again, what could he give them? He could give them, quote-unquote, spirituality. And this is what they want. I'll prove it to you this is what they want. Take a look in the Chumash, in chapter 17, verse 3. Now, we know that Moshe, who tries to delay the process, and maybe they'll think it differently, okay, says to the 250 who join Korach, who are sincere... Now, how can I say they're sincere? They're they're misled, no question about it. But they are sincere in their wanting of greater spirituality. If you look in chapter 17, verse 3, the Torah tells us that after they are killed, these 250 men, the pans in which they use to bring the ketores, to bring the incense, I would have thought, take them and completely discard them. No, says the Torah, take machto, Take the pans of these sinners. Binaf show some against their souls. What does that mean? They sinned with their souls. They wanted more. But unfortunately, when you want more, you need to have this literally controlled, overlooked, and making sure that the ninth of the thirteenth principle of the Maimonides, who has anima mim bemuna shlema. And just as the first one is, we believe that there is a God. And that number two, right, he is the one that controls history, destiny of man. Go to number nine, anima mim bemuna shlema. I believe with perfect faith. Shizosa Torah, this Torah that we have, lote muchlefes, will never and not be exchanged. And there will not be another Torah. And so, the idea was, they were hoping that this was something suggests the Eben Ezra. The Eben Ezra says this on Pasuk 28 in chapter 16 where Moshe says this is the way you will know that God has sent me and I've done all these things and and not from my own accord or known my own initiative the Ebenezer says so sharply just as Moshe 
initiated three things and God agreed to him, including the breaking of the luchos, including adding a day before the receiving of the Torah, including separating himself from Tzipporah, and God agreed. The people thought perhaps this was an idea of Moshe, that it should go from the firstborn to the tribe of Levi, and God agreed, but really it didn't come from Hashem. So Moshe is showing them, no, this is, as it says in verse 5, Boker. Boker, as the light of morning and day, and just as as Rashi says so sharply regarding Boker, that there is built into nature. Givulos cholaka ba'olamo. God put boundaries into this world. And yecholimatem lafoch erev. Can you transform morning into night? Obviously not. Cain, so too, kuchlu levatel ezu. So too, this is built into the very fabric and nature of our peoplehood. That there is a Kohen, that there is a Levi, and there is a Yisrael. And the Kohen is not to do what the Levi does, and the Levi is not to do what the Kohen does, and the Yisrael is certainly not to do what either of them have. Now, the idea is very clear and very powerful. A Jew is to want more, more spirituality, growth. We learn it from Moshe Rabbeinu himself. Amazing. Vo'eschanan. How much is Vo'eschanan in Gematria? 500 and figure it out. That's how many times that Moshe Rabbeinu prayed in order to go into Eretz Yisrael. My goodness, why? Why? The Talmud asks in the Gemara Sota, Moshe wanted to eat from the fruit produce of the land. Sure, no, Moshe wanted come on, to do more mitzvos. So Moshe wants more. That is the ideal of the Jew. In the Sefer, Sum Derech, he points out something very remarkable. Open up chapter 19 in the second book of the Torah, the chapter that precedes the actual giving of the Torah, the revelation at Sinai. And I ask you, how many times do the people have to be told you're not to go up on the mountain? And even right before Hashem reveals Himself, He says to Moshe, go down again. No less than three times. Why? Because the people want to go up. Instinctively, they want more. They want an opportunity to be close to Akurish Baruch Hu. But you have to know your limits. And therefore, they had to be told not to because instinctively, ideally, beautifully, the Jew wants more. It's a long Or Hachayim HaKadosh at the beginning of Parshas Acharemos. Excuse me, yes, right. Acharemos, chapter 16 in the third book of the Torah. It's worth finding this paragraph, which begins, and in the Mikros Gedolos that I have, Hamaor, you're on page Shin Yud Tes, and the bottom of the right column spilling over onto the top. Listen to the golden words of the Orachayim HaKadosh, who's describing what was the sin of Nadav and Avihu, who we know were killed on the day that the Mishkan was dedicated. So listen to what he says. He says as follows, that these Sadikim, they died with we would call, and we are familiar with Misas Nashika, literally the kiss of God. But watch this. The Soda Nashika, he writes, is Hahefresh Hu. Had Sadikim, those Sadikim, Moshe, 
Miriam, Aaron, Hanashika Miskareves Lohem. The Nashika, the kiss of God, literally came to them. However, the Elohim, Nodavanaviu, Niskarvula, on their own, they were yearning for it and took the initiative on their own. They crossed over the boundary. For who Omro, as the Pusik says, Bikarva Sum, underline that word in your mind, with their coming forth, Lifnei Hashem. For Omro Vayomuso. Now listen to this. Remez Hakosov, the Torah is hinting at Hafloas the incredible wonder of Chibas HaTzadikim, of the desire of the righteous, Shagam Shoyu Margishim B'misasam, even though they had an intuition that they were playing with fire, that they might lose their lives as recalls of this, Lo Nimnu, this didn't stop them, Mikorov, now listen to this, Lidvekus, to try to have an attachment, and I'm going to read to you the adjectives that he uses in description of what brought Nadav and Avihu, who wanted once again more. Tvekus of Neimus, one, Arevus, two, Yedidus, three, Chavivus, four, Chashikus, five, Mesikus, six, Ad close not show some mayhem. Incredible. The Jew wants more. The only thing is, what do our rabbis say? One of the reasons why Nadav and Aviyu died is because they didn't check with Moshe and Aaron. We need the litmus test. And what is the litmus test? Because everybody wants more. Everybody thinks what they're doing is right. You've got to go to the Rambam's 13 principles of faith. And once again, number nine, the Torah that we have cannot be changed. If you're keeping within the Torah, Hatzlacha Rabbah, and keep on going for more. You can figure out the inference by yourself. What a powerful parsha, Parshas Korach is. Shabbat Shalom to all. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JM in the AM. How you doing, everybody? Welcome and thanks for participating with us on a Friday morning broadcast. And a big thank you to Rabbi Yudin, of course. It's Erev Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz is a two-dayer. Shabbos and Sunday. It begins tonight. Candle lighting at 8-11 here in the New York area. Mazal Tov again to the Lefkowitz and Nova Seller families. Fega Hadina. And Yehuda are getting married this coming Sunday, wishing them a very special Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM the AM. If you see Shimon Lefkowitz today busily preparing for the uh, big event, you make sure to wish him a very special Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM the AM. And to the Garfinkel and Sprecher families, an amazing celebration last night in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Racheli Garfinkel, Yaakov Sprecher, anybody who walks into the kitchen click in Brooklyn, you make sure to wish Mendel and Fagy. A very special Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Well, we had heard uh, that uh, Nefesh Benefesh had some type of online cause match campaign that was going on. Could not believe we didn't know about it. And then I was told that it's being done under the auspices of a very special, wonderful group of uh, people um, that can relate to how wonderful it is to actually make Aliyah with Nefesh Benefesh. To explain all of this, Aaron Leibowitz is with us live from Israel on this era of Shabbos. He, of course, is Director of Community Engagement with Nefesh Benefesh. Aaron, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, thank you, Nachum. It's a pleasure and an honor to uh, to be back on JM in the, in the AM. I appreciate that. It must be amazing this close to Shabbat in the, uh, in the Holy Land of Israel. It is amazing. I'm here in uh, Modiin looking out on the Harei Yerushalayim, mm. and uh, 
the, the, the mountains are beginning to get quiet and uh, to welcome Shabbat, and everybody's uh, busy around, and now uh, everybody's settling in and getting ready. There's a beautiful calm here uh, in Modi, and I welcome all of your listeners to come spend Shabbat here in, uh, in Modi. It's very, very special. And by the way, everybody, Aaron knows the difference. It wasn't that long ago that he was in the U.S. He knows the difference between Arab Shabbos here as a resident and Arab Shabbos in the Holy Land. All right, um, first of all, let us know if the campaign is still going on and explain what this is all about. It's something called the NBN Copilot Campaign. What is this all about? So first of all, the campaign just started yesterday. We're 24 hours into this very, very special campaign. Um, and let me share with you, Nachum, uh, how this uh, campaign got started. Um, we have a group of alumni. We're celebrating our 15th anniversary, as you well know. Oh, yeah. uh, we actually kicked off our 15th anniversary celebration with you in Boca Raton, right. and uh, you know, having coffee with alumni here in Israel, at, um, and talking with them, and schmoozing with them, and taking, uh, reflecting on the past 15 years of Nefesh Menefesh, where we've facilitated the Aliyah of 50,000 Olim from North America, um, and we're seeing Olim that are very successful and integrated and living lives of meaning and purpose. Um, and during these coffee conversations, our, our alumni said that that's great. Nachum is going on the road with you guys to celebrate the 15th anniversary. But what can we do as alumni of Nefesh Nefesh to celebrate the 15th anniversary? So we're talking around different ideas, um, and a group of them said, hey, the iconic uh, signature events of Nefesh Nefesh are what, Nachum? Uh, you were going to say... I, I would guess the flights. The flights, the charter flights, yeah. are the signature, most emotional part of our uh, of our summer of our year. It is and the centerpiece. Said, you know, it's the centerpiece of all nefesh benefesh activity. Correct. And our alumni said we remember how meaningful that charter flight was. Um, what we want to do is we want to pay it forward, and we want to run a campaign for alumni and friends and family to sponsor a charter flight. Oh, is that so they cool? said, we're not just, it's amazing. That is it cool. was such a beautiful gift uh, for them to say, but they said, we're not just going to run a, any ordinary campaign. They came to Rabbi Fastness and, and myself and said, we're going to put up together, it, the total cost to run a charter flight is $250,000. They got together and they said, we're going to put up $125,000, and Rabbi Fast. We want you to go to the crowd, to our family, to our friends, to those in North America, to Nefesh Benefesh alumni here in Israel, and let's run a crowdfunding campaign with CauseMatch to raise the other $125,000. Cool. Um, and that's really what uh, kicked off this uh, crowdfunding campaign. We've never, Nefesh Benefesh has never done a crowdfunding campaign. Uh, we've been blessed, and uh, you know, thank God we have great donors. But uh, this is a very, very special and unique project for us because it's, and it's, the home, it, it's yeah. homegrown and driven by the alumni. And the truth—I was just going to say—the truth is, it's really not you guys doing it. It's really the alumni stepping up, and that and that segment of the Nevis Nevis population is really doing it. That—that's the most beautiful thing. And as they went around to each other, and, and I went around speaking with them, um, they were giving leadership gifts that were very, very, uh, very, very generous. Um, and it was it was with a giving heart and with uh, with joy and happiness to be part of this campaign. So that really made it a very special uh, uh, initiative up until now. All right, some of the families recognized for what they did in this regard: the Gitlers, the Lussmans, the Tobins, the Bars, and others. I'm sure it's the NBN co-pilot campaign to support the July 3rd Aliyah charter flight. Aaron Leibowitz is with us now. I, I this may be I may be working backwards, but I'm just I just want to put this out there: the 250. 
is all, and I say it like that because I thought it was more, is literally all that's required when someone wants to sponsor an Aliyah charter flight to Israel? So, yeah, so they get to they get to have a great partner with them, that being the state of Israel, right. that pays for the other piece of it, uh, right. the other two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So altogether, it's a it's a it's a big endeavor. All right, so that's, uh, that's what I figured. Of, I figured it's close to half a million dollars, and literally, if someone gi- if someone gives two fifty, they are known essentially, as I've seen many times before, as the exclusive sponsor of the of the flight of the trip. And in this regard, it's so beautiful because all these families are coming together and all the supporters through the cause match campaign, etc., to be the sponsors of the July trip. Correct. So in past years, Ben and Patsy Klein have been so generous, right. and they've sponsored a charter flight, and their right. name is uh, is it was was on the LL charter flight of ours. And this year right. it's going to be the NBN alumni uh, and family and friends that are going to be uh, noted on the uh, the belly of the plane. So it's very a very special, piece. very very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And you don't realize 15 years go by, you got people who've been in Israel, you know, 10, 15 years already have established themselves, have, you know, built or rebuilt their lives in the most amazing way. And, uh, and now they want to give, it's, it's a, it's a great idea. Just a, a wonderful idea. So the cause match campaign is going on as we speak. I'm assuming if people go to, I want to also say one thing, you cause match is a platform, a charity platform. Guess what? Built by Nefesh Benefesh Alam, ah. <laughs> uh, which is very significant. So it all it all comes together. Everybody's, you know, has figured out how to how to make lives of meaning and purpose and success here. So that even makes it one level even more sweet and uh, and meaningful for us at Nefesh Benefesh. It's funny, you know. I'm wondering if that's the best term for those who arrived in Israel with NBN NBN alumni. I'm just wondering. It's growing on me as we keep talking about it. But I guess, I guess it's a good way of classifying that group of people. That have gone ahead and moved to Israel with Nefesh Benefesh. I like it's a, it. It's a, it's a common bond that uh, yeah. whether you're living in uh, Modi'in, Beit Shemesh, uh, Renana, Jerusalem, uh, Frat, you know, you're you're a Nefesh Benefesh alum. Right. You've been through the experience of the charter flight. You've been through right. the experience and of the resources of Nefesh Benefesh, and that uh, that's the big connector. All right, now um, I'm assuming that anybody who gives to this cause match campaign, their contribution will be doubled. Am I correct? That's correct. And, That's correct. And they have till when to do this? So the campaign ends next Thursday night at 11.59 p.m. All right. We so started we started yesterday. We have essentially we an entire week. Yesterday. We have an entire week we to do this. We have an entire week. We've raised $70,000 in just 24 hours. Right. And we have $90,000 more to raise that will trigger the match from our alumni. Oh, phenomenal. It's only $90,000. That's it. Very, okay. uh, very achievable goal. No question about it. Uh, Cause Match website and BN website, what's the best way to do it? So let me share with your audience, for those of family and friends that have experienced uh, Aliyah through family that have made Aliyah or friends that have made Aliyah, or if you're thinking about making Aliyah or Aliyah, you're not thinking about making Aliyah, but you want to help uh, Nefesh Benefesh and you want to be part of this wonderful mission, you can go to nbnalumni.org. Okay. That's n-b-n-a-l-u-m-n-i.org and join this really special uh, uh, project. Um, you know that any person in the New York, New Jersey area who contributes anything to the Cause Match campaign is going to want to come to the ceremony in July in JFK. You know that. <laughs> That's beautiful. We welcome them. You don't we mind. You them. don't mind. They should just be in we touch, welcome them. Be in touch it, with it, your it, office, right? 
with us. If you if you join the campaign and you want to experience uh, the JFK ceremony, please be in touch with us. We'll do our best to uh, to accommodate you. It's a very it's going to be a very very special flight. We have over 200 Alim. I know Rabbi Sass is on next week, and he's going to talk about it. But we also have Alan and Judy Fagan from uh, the Orthodox Union that are going to be joining the charter flight. Oh, so it's cool. going to be very special. Very cool. We should get them on as well. That's cool. All right, uh, what can I tell you? I've always dreamed of sponsoring a flight, or by fast will tell you I've been talking about it for over 10 years, and, and now someone like me and many others can literally help sponsor a flight, which I think is just so cool. Um, anybody out there who wants to participate, nbnalumni.org, you literally will sponsor the July flight, the charter flight to Israel, nbnalumni.org. Very, very exciting. A great initiative by people who just wanted no. to do something. Nachum, I just want to say one big thank you, a big shout out to the Tobins, the Gitlers, the, the Falkmans, the Dantels, uh, Dr. Weinberg, the Bars, and our whole crew of uh, alumni that's, and, and the Lustmans that stepped forward to really uh, power, this, uh, power this initiative. And Fred Tauber, and the list goes on. I want to thank uh, the Kazdans that just sponsored, that just jumped on Cause Match and gave $360 to this campaign. So thank you, thank you, and uh, we're grateful for your support. Amazing, I'm telling you. Great idea. Send our best to all of them. Well-deserved, well-deserved, Yeshikoch. Aaron, uh, have a Shabbat Shalom. Send regards to everybody. Shabbat Shalom. And thanks so much for joining us. Aaron Leibowitz, he's Director of Community Engagement for Nefesh Benefesh, great friend of the network, and, um, and just a, a great idea. Great idea. Every one of us can be a July... Charter Flight Sponsor, nbnalumni.org. What a great concept. Friday morning broadcast. You're listening to JM in the AM.
Micha Gammerman with a wonderful Shabbos Zemmer here on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. Time to say good Shabbos on this Erev Shabbos and Erev Rosh Chodesh. Journeys at JM in the AM. Special blessing on a cup that's filled with 
is a very special sign. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio. Around the world in the web at NachumSiegel.com. On the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. And I remind you that coming up on that NSN app and, of course, on all of our platforms, Naomi Nachman with the uh, brand-new edition of Table for Two. This week, she presents part one of her visit to the brand-new Kosher Culinary Center in Brooklyn, New York, with owner chef Avram Weissman. And Elon Kornblum of Great Kosher Restaurants magazine is there as well. That's coming up next. Then the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, the Kedem Arab Shabbos Live Lunch, hosted by Mark Zamek at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, and plenty more. Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami tomorrow night starts at 9.30 Matis with JM Sunday will begin at 7 a.m. Eastern Time Sunday morning. Matis always live, always an incredible way to start and open up the week. Monday, we're back. We'll start at 6 a.m. with JM in the a.m. Have a wonderful Shabbos, great weekend, and of course, a good Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh Tammuz tomorrow and Sunday. Till next time, Nachum Sigal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.